Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wiseman say podcast today we are looking back at the Barnsley game and also previewing uh, Walsall in the second round of the FA Cup. My name is Frankie Francis and I'm joined in the studio tonight by Craig Clark. Hello, hello, and Michael Loff. Hello, all right. How is everyone doing this evening? Bloody fantastic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very cold outside. It has been for a couple of days. In particular, on Tuesday evening when we beat. Barnsley 4-2. I think that's a good place to start, Michael. But the performance certainly warmed by our evenings. Oh, good oh, one. Uh, how slick. did you how did you see the the game on uh, Tuesday night? It was a it was a big game to be fair and we came through victorious. Yeah. You could almost split the game in uh, three segments really. I thought the first half an hour we were sensational really. We were very clinical and we scored. Um, I mean, the penalty would did everyone think it was a penalty for a start before I go on. Uh yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I was quite far away from where I stand on the halfway line. It's probably it's running away from me. It's so. almost like equidistance between you and I, Michael. I mm-hmm. think, um, and it looked like he was sort of going down before the challenge came in, um, but that it was probably a penalty, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's one of them that's given against you. You say it's soft, but from where I was, if I was a the Barnsley manager, rather than complaining about the one of a penalty, I would be more annoyed at me defender for making the totally unnecessary challenge when McGeady's actually going wide and he's looking for the penalty all day. You just don't yeah. give him the and opportunity it, to go down. And if, if anyone you don't want to dive in on, in yeah. sort of in the box, it's, it's McGeady, isn't it? Yeah. His feet are so quick. Yeah. And he's getting... They're right back at a really bad 45 minutes. He, he, really, he was all right getting forward. He was fit and athletic, but he, he couldn't defend. No. Like at all, which is odd because they've apparently got an excellent defensive record yeah. up until that game. Yeah, a couple of people have been looking at us. I think the centre back who got turned by uh, Magic. We'll get onto that in a second. Do you th- uh, did you everyone notice when uh, Gooch tapped McGeady on the back to take the penalty? I, I could. I thought Gooch was going over thinking get this ball. is mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously. Not. <laughs> I was calling for Goose to take it, to be honest, because I don't think I've seen him take an unconvincing penalty yet since he's been at the club. And McGeady obviously missed that one last season. I'm not saying that means he should never take a penalty mm. again, but I do think that Gooch would be my designated penalty taker. But Ross has said we don't believe in that and we just kind of like call it as we see it on the pitch, which is interesting. But he scored, so I can't <clears> complain. And it, fair enough, if obviously Gooch was kind of like, yep, yeah, go on, it's yours. Just speaks about the togetherness, yeah. Of course. I think, I mean, which is obvious in so many other ways than that. But little things count, don't they? Just the way the squad and the team mm. look at yeah. the minute. It's, yeah. it's very together. It's the complete opposite of last season, yeah. where you could barely see any relationships or partnerships mm. at all. Really, could you? No. I mean, it, it, 
it's just shampolic. <laughs> yeah. Not that you want to think about that, but with the Netflix documentary well, on it's the on horizon, horizon, you know, yeah. there'll be plenty of compare and contrast. Yeah, I'm sure, so. I'm sure there will be, but not long after the penalty, we got a second goal. Uh, Craig, how did you see that one? That was the Gooch one, wasn't it? No, Madja. Oh, it was the Madja one. Mm. God, I can't even remember which order the goals came in. So it was, many. It was so Quick hectic fast. That, that 30 minutes, because Madja could have had a heart break. Well, yeah, he had, had a couple of misses. Which you could say should have definitely found the target. The first one, I would let him off. That fizzed in at some pace, yeah. near post. He's wrong side of the post. I think he's done the right thing. He's looking to just sort of flick it. Yeah. And it's just come at him too fast. Second one, it was for his a player of his ability, it was, it was almost unforgivable. But because that, that goal he scored was absolutely phenomenal. It just didn't look like it was on. No. How how he gets that ball out of his feet, the way he shifts it between his feet. Which was a good ball in the first place as well. Oh, brilliant. Excellent goal by Matthews. And I must say, about a month ago, if somebody said, oh, like Adam Matthews will just let his contract run down, you'll leave in the summer, I wouldn't have mourned it at all. But the way he's performed the past month, he's just come on leaps and bounds. And defensively, he's been sound. Going forward, he's been absolutely excellent. I mean, he played a ball against Carlisle and checked the trade a few weeks ago, which was almost like Iniesta-esque. And then last, <laughs> and wow. Then, and, then, and then last night... The um, sorry, not last night on Tuesday night. The ball he played for Magic for a goal it was sensational. I mean, obviously Magic still had a lot to do, but he did have a lot to do. But do you did you did anyone else in the room think when he took that first touch and spun around on it? I thought it was it was in all day. Yeah, I thought oh, as soon as he he's in yeah. position to hit it. I've never seen. I know you've got to bear in mind the level and all that, but the way he finds the corner, yeah, it's so clinical. It's precise. You can you can do it without with or without power. Behind it, it's it just so unerringly accurate at shooting within about a 20-yard yeah. sort of range from the goal. I, I don't remember... I mean, obviously, we've seen better strikers like Defoe. Well, it actually remind me like a bit that. of Defoe, the way he spinned, you know, spun round on it, and Defoe used to do that quite a lot to mm. spin his defender, didn't he? It reminded me a little bit of that. They, I mean, he's obviously learned from him. Yeah. I mean, the team's clear there was some kind of relationship. I think they're in touch still as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, I think Defoe's looking out at his career. He's yeah, yeah. interested to see him develop. And I mean, I, I think he's, and I've said this so many times, obviously when I do the player ratings on the Twitter app, it's probably become a bit of a, as Peter Reid would say, broken record. <laughs> but he's by far the best player, sort of technically in the division, bar maybe, say, McGeady. And he's just like, nobody else has got a player like that in League One who can do what he does. Mm-hmm. And if we just were able to find a way to play the ball into his feet all of the time, rather than hitting it long or hitting him behind, he'd be on a hat-trick nearly every week, I think. He's yeah. so, so clinical. Mm-hmm. Just to think, develop what you were saying, Frankie, when he got his ball, his I agree with you. Every time he gets a ball, he's back to goal, or he has a yard of space in the box when he's, as I say, he's back to goal. I think it's a goal every time. <clears throat> but it's a strange thing to say about someone. Is, was that his 12th goal the other night or his yeah, 11th? 12th if you include the Czech trade. Yeah. So 12 in all competitions. It's a strange thing to say about a striker who scored 12 in all competitions. But actually, I don't think he is kind of a, like a clinical poacher like Defoe was. Because there's been a few instances, I think, against Scunthorpe, he missed an absolute sitter about six yards out. And he missed them two headers the other night. And actually, I think when he just has... When he um, doesn't have time to think about it, sometimes I'm I'm not saying it's a concern because he's only 19. I mean, he'll develop he's that. Got but so much time and scope and has, ability to develop. But though, so. as I say, it seems an odd point to make, but I just think that he's maybe not like a portrait type and he's, and he's much better suited, as you say, getting the ball to feet, edge of a penalty area, and finding that yard of space and, and scoring goals. He, he reminds me, I've written a bit for the Echo tomorrow for our Wise Men Say column, and I've I just 
decided to do it on on him because it's interesting. I think we've been you know having some responses on Twitter today as well, which have followed on from writing that. But like someone said, if we saw a striker who played for Luton who scored eleven and nineteen. Mm-hmm. We'd all be clamouring to sign him. Yeah. And I think you saw a bit of that with Kiefer Moore for Barnsley. Looked very good. But do you not think Barnsley fans or Luton fans or whoever are looking at Madger and thinking, my word, how do you stop that player? Yeah. Going back to what I was originally going to say, he reminds me of Daniel Sturridge a little bit. His feet are so fast. It's tricky. I think if we were still, say, in the Championship, there might have been, and we were playing this kind of system depending on which players we had at the club, I think he may have found himself in a wide role. Mm. My brother-in-law's compared him to Teddy Sheringham a bit. He's not the same player, obviously, and he's not, he's not as good as Sturridge or Sheringham was. But I know what he means. He's that second striker, mm-hmm. which often finds himself on the wing in the modern day because you don't always have sort of scope for two strikers. And that, it sort of fits with what you're saying, Mickey. He's, his finishing is in, incredible in many ways, but he isn't a penalty box poacher no. either. I think it's really he, interesting. I think where he could flourish is remember when um, Victor and HB had them good that good fortnight that time. <laughs> That's <Moyes>. good fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, but the way we used him actually, I mean, I'm loath to give David Moyes any kind of credit at all. Mm. But the way we used an HB in those weeks where we played him as like a left wing forward. And we didn't just lump him as balls. We used to play into the channels, into his feet. And he had the strength and he turned him and he got this shot away and he got a few goals and we got a lot of joy doing that. I think Magic could flourish playing a similar sort of system. <clears throat> he would, obviously, physically, you'll need to develop to do that to the same kind of level. But he's not, as we keep saying, this is the other thing. Everyone's open to criticism. It doesn't matter. If you're in the first team, you know, you're ready to play for the first team. Mm-hmm. But I think people seem to focus a lot on what Magic can't do or where he needs to develop rather than just then enjoying his, his performances, which are really a joy to watch, I think. There is still shouts, if you're in the ground, when Madges, or long balls played, a hopeful balls played towards him, when he doesn't go in for a header or he pulls out of a challenge and stuff like that, and you will hear crowd noises from the crowd questioning his ability. It's bizarre. Would, a thing I sort of shied away from putting in that article because I couldn't really fit it in to the floor was... Put Jermaine Defoe in his position this season, would he get the same kind of complaints? Hmm. He absolutely wouldn't. Did Darren Bend? He was a very selfish striker in terms of, I know Gareth's talked about this before in the past, when he left, we scored actually the same number of goals. They were just more spread out. Hmm. Everything just went through him to score goals. People didn't complain about that. But people did complain about Lewis Graben. They did. And he was quite similar. I would agree with that. And it's, it's an odd one. Everyone wants a goal scorer, but apparently some goal scorers come in for more criticism than others. All goal scorers are equal, but some <laughs> goal scorers are more equal than others. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, no, this is in a weird way, in an Orwellian <laughs> take on it. Yeah. There does seem to be an element of... I don't, I don't know what it is. What What is it about? Is what it, because, drawing the criticism? Is it because Sunderland fans are traditionally... Love to see, you know, your ballies, your league catamoles going in for the ball. You know, the Quinny, they used to hang off Quinny and he would give us a little bit back and he'd still knock it down or get a goal. Do you think that that's why, do you think? Well, I'll, before you come in, Mickey, because it's on the tip of my tongue, um, I, would, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think Darren Bent or Jermaine Defoe fit the that Quinn, no. Borley, Catamol mould, obviously in a different style of playing yeah, yeah, position. Yeah, obviously. obviously, Defoe ran hard, but there was games where he's moved... I've heard a lot of complaints from sort of Bournemouth fans and that. He's quite static. 
he occupies a certain area of the pitch, mm. and that's great because he scores goals. Brilliant. But so does Madger. Yeah. So did Graben. So I, I know where you're coming from, and I think you're absolutely right. But I think we've had other players who have been loved and really enjoyed. Nicky Summerby was a bit a bit of one like that. Loved by some, hated and called lazy by yeah, others. Yeah, yeah, that's a good... A bit of a, a divisive character yeah. as well, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. It, it's weird, isn't it, how some of these players seem to have that kind of reaction from the crowd. Yeah. Just to move it a bit on a little bit, I think it's also a little bit of a myth that he can't hold the ball up. I think he can. <laughs> yep, provi- Provided that he just gets the ball with his feet. I mean, it's not a complaint that he can't hold the ball up when the ball's hit 10 yards above his head and he doesn't somehow... <laughs> Get like inspect the gadgets, like legs or something, and be able to bring the ball down. But that's not a criticism of Josh Madger. I actually think, I mean, he's got his hair higher. Earlier, that's it. I guess my Fellaini original feel, Fellaini, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, what I was going to say was, I think down Gillingham early on in the season, he got the ball, he's about to go in the penalty area, we laid it off for Honeyman for the goal. And there's been a lot of instances where he manages to hold up and bring others into play. So. Do you know why? I think that's good as well, because the defenders now are aware of how good he is at winning free kicks in and around the box mm. as well. He's really good at that. You're right, he is. Because he's, they're scared of him. Yeah. They're scared of how quick his feet are. And now you've not only got him, you've got McGeady. Yeah. You've got Maguire, who I think when you come, you start talking about people like Quinn, who would, mm-hmm. you know, maybe use his arms or whatever. Yeah. And Maguire's a bit like that. He's wily, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, he'll drag people into battles they don't want to be dragged into. Gooch is another one. Mm-hmm. Goes down. Quite often, sometimes, but he he must wind opposition defenders up the way he's constantly kind of head down and running at them, and he can go left or right. How many players we've got who can go left or right? Well, let's just, let's just pick up on uh, Lyndon Gooch because he scored again, and it was, a, it was a slight deflection, I think, I believe, on on the goal. Uh, but it was still took it well, and, he, and again, it, uh, you, the whole crowd was shouting, "Shoot!" He did scored. I think um, Lyndon Gooch is one of them. If you were you know, when the Moneyball theory was a massive kind of trend in this country around 2010, 2013 kind of era, I think if you looked at it from a pure kind of Moneyball perspective, Linda Gooch has been absolutely invaluable this season. Even when he hasn't performed maybe the, his maximum potential, he still contributed. And he proved that again the other night. I don't think he had his best game, but he scored Saturday. It wasn't great, scored. He's been Set get, one up as well on Saturday. Set, set one up on yeah. Saturday. So like I say, and to be honest, you can't really ask for more for a player in an advanced role. If you contribute and assist and contribute and goals, that's your job at the end of the day. Mm. 100%. And you know when you've got McGeady alongside you there who's taking defenders away yeah. because they are, he, as his fitness and form grows, I mean, he's, he's basically the equivalent of having someone like, I don't know, I don't want to say like Messi, but you know what I mean? Yeah. In relative to the level. You it's said it now, Craig. Uh, basically McMessi, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got we've got Cafews at right back, right? You good Cafews. Yeah. I never heard that yeah. one, that's good. Uh, and we've got McMessi. They sound, no they sound like awful like five-a-side banter names, don't they, for like, your fancy yeah. football? That's <laughs> what I'm bringing to the equation tonight. It's been a long day. But <laughs> Before we... Um, we've got a lot of stuff to, to squeeze in, guys. Um, but we, we must just... I don't think we should paint over uh, or, or trying to, uh, you know, ignore the fact that from about 35 minutes to about 65 minutes, Sunderland were really on the ropes, weren't they, in that well, game? The way I saw it was that I actually... Don't think we were particularly on the ropes until we conceded that goal. I mean, there was a stage where every pass was great with an all-air, wasn't it? Well, it was. It's oh, that was going to happen. Don't uh, all-air. <laughs> Thirty-three minutes, or whatever. And there it's was, a... and, and obviously, naturally, complacency 
came in. However, I don't think we we really looked like conceding until we did when Gooch made that um, silly mistake oh. inside the penalty area. When obviously, I mean, Gooch knows he should have pulled a boot for it. You know what I mean? Well, I think he tried and spun back. Yeah, didn't yeah. It? It, was first weird. it was just an. Odd I don't think he meant to do the first kick. And the way of a second, and the way of a second half went, it was quite strange because you would think watching the game when it was three one, you'd think it was three two in the last ten minutes. So where Barnsley were throwing bodies forward and they went really direct and. Uh, what was the striker called again who scored the goal? Mua. Mua. brought him into the game. Good player. Oh, he had an excellent game, but they were using him all the time and he was causing us all sorts of problems. And then when they made it 3-2, I thought there's no way we can see this half an hour out with the momentum they had. Obviously, Sunderland fans, were, well, they weren't getting on the players' back, but it's natural you're going to feel anxious when you were 3-0 up in the game and suddenly it's 3-2. <laughs> yeah. There was anxiety at 3-1 because you could feel... They had the quality that some other yeah. teams didn't have. I was have. watching the clock for half time. Oh, yeah. And then, so it, same. then it was strange because, and then, as I say, you're really on the ropes and you're thinking, how are we going to be able to see this game out? It's going to be a real onslaught. And then they kind of went back to type as if it was kind of like nil-nil or something, or Barnsley were in the lead. They were playing a lot more football and they were trying to create, they created a few overloads, to be mm. fair to them, but they never really tested McLaughlin. And particularly when O'Neill came on and as the game grew on, we gradually got a foothold in the game. They actually turned to someone and said, I hate to say this, this was about 70 minutes, but we're getting a bit bit stronger in this game. Barnsley aren't bombarding us anymore, and I actually think we can save us out, and then we kind of got better and better as the game went on again. Well, there was a, it was a matter of time, I think, before we broke that their off their offside line. It was so high, they were pushing so far, and Maguire, it just wasn't coming off for Maguire when, when he was left up front <laughs> by himself. And But we, we should we should speak about those substitutions, because yeah. 09 came on, he buzzed around, he was full of, full of energy, and I didn't think that was a substitution to make at the time. I don't know what you guys thought. I think we all think it should have been Sinclair, right? Yeah. Because Maguire got in behind once, fluffed it, yeah. Had a couple of others where he was offside. Offside, yeah, he's not frustrating. He's not fast, is he? It's not his main asset anyway. Whereas Sinclair, what do you think about when you think about Sinclair? He's an athlete, on the shoulder in behind, yeah. So it was an odd one. Uh, I'm not sure it's the sub I would have made. I know 9 went on to score the crucial four. It was a genius stroke. So in the yeah, <laughs> he did miss a sitter with that diving header as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is this. Sorry, create the cut across your butt. I'm sorry, cut your butt. I still think that there's this kind of almost narrative that we were a little bit fortunate and that Barnsley were... And I think they probably were one of the best sides we've played this season. They were very good, but, but we were better than them. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. and we've just talked there about like clear-cut opportunities we had and you can look at stats all day and say, oh, they had like this many shots, this many off-target, this many on-target. But what shots off-target don't tell you is the fact that we had three or four guilt-edged opportunities to mm. extend our lead. Well, it's funny you mention stats because, you know... Obviously, we've been on the receiving end of a stats yeah. blitz. Um, and Joe, Stat again. at Shady Beaver underscore, did mention the XG, and we actually won the XG war, so even the stats were in our favour. So anyone who's saying we didn't deserve to win, yeah. I'm not sure where you're getting that from. I'm not sure if anyone is saying that. No, I, I, um, I completely agree. I think we were the better team on the night, but I don't think we can ignore that period. We can't. No, you've got... Game but, management, you know, oh, Jack totally. Watson has been pulling his hair out. But it's, it's, I think that's League One all over. Every game has got... It seems to go on forever. There are yeah. about five games in yeah, one. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, 3-0 doesn't feel like a winning score because... How many times have we been 3-0 up at home this season? We've bizarre. A few times now, right? Yeah, yeah. We've just pulverised teams for mm-hmm. half an hour and then, like... Other teams haven't had the quality they've had. Yeah. I mean, Mowat was putting some unbelievable corners in. Yeah. You'd sign him just for that. Mm. He was yeah. dropping. It was a matter of time before they scored from one, and lo and behold, they did. Yeah. Um, I think the centre backs had a hard. I was going to say, does that say anything about our defence? Well, we've looked relatively poor on 
set pieces defensively mm. all season. We shored up for a while, but it's never really gone away. Mm. Uh, but in that, in this instance, I really just think they had two massive weapons: Mawat's left foot and Kiefer Moore's just freakishly tall. He was massive, wide. He reminded yeah. me Conor Wickham actually a lot of. The, yeah. the, the, yeah. I, I stood next to him as he came off. Mm. He was he was head and shoulders and you know wider than all the players on the pitch. Scary. He's. <laughs> you know I mean, I wasn't. I'm scared. Like, yeah. I I'll just use that as yeah. a, you know. Bit like the great Carly in the wrestling or something. Like, I don't. You've lost me. I've mean, got the wrong room. Before, Where's Rory when you need him? Yeah, exactly. We've got we've got much <laughs> loads to get through. A word on Max Power now. And Honeyman, I think we need to talk well, about yeah, as well. Honeyman, I think Honeyman put in a real captain's performance. He was you know smashing at the cha- tackles right up until the, 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 the full time. Uh, and I thought Max Power could was arguably man of the match for a few reasons. Uh, he was playing. Uh, uh, not, I don't think he was playing. We, we admit himself, he wasn't playing his normal game, but he was so understated in that game. But at the same time, solid mm. that he actually went, you know, under the radar. I mean, that was his complete intention. I think, and I think that's oh, yeah. what he's been told to do um, because of the recent events. But I thought that was a really good professional performance from Max Power and exactly what he needed to do to answer the critics who should never have crept into his ads on Twitter in the first place. Oh, yeah, well, that the. Having a go at him on Twitter, whatever yeah. you thought at the time, that's the problem with like a kind of technology, isn't it? If you're all having a whinge and a moan in the stands, you get over it. You've texted each other whinging and moaning. The next day, you've kind of, you know, got your hangover and you've mm. you've moved on. But if you've been abusing him in writing, yeah. and he goes on his phone and has a look, and he's got to put up with that along with the fact he's been sent off. It just doesn't do anyone any good, that. See, this is a problem as well. I, I, I don't condone it if you do it to a Premier League star, but the chances are that Premier League star is never going to see your tweet because, obviously, one, the sheer volume that they get, and two, because they have like whole kind of social media management teams behind them. But what people have to remember is the likes of Max Power, they probably don't, and you can tell when he tweets, it's not generic sponsorship stuff, it's from the heart. And you can tell he has Satan at the heart. So, like I say, it's just, it's just so counterproductive to be like verbally abusing your own players online. So, basically, if like anyone's been engaged in it, then just like grow up. Basically, it's just not helpful at all. No. I think everyone, including Max, have probably learned a few lessons from the whole experience. And I say Max because I think you're right, Frankie. That was a really mature, professional performance of of someone who I consider to be a leader. And I, I was, you know, I thought it was a red card at the time, and I was pretty angry with him. I wasn't jumping onto Twitter to have a go at him or anything. But, you know, that was the feeling among some people. Mm-hmm. But to come back after having your red card rescinded and, you know, obviously the whole coaching team, his manager, played the players, minutes as well. and yeah. he was cramping at the end because yeah. he put in a shift. Mm-hmm. And I think him and Honeyman, who I thought was absolutely outstanding. Let's speak about George Honeyman then. And, well, captain's performance, wasn't it, in every way imaginable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Lee Catamole but with more, if, if you like. He, he's so... Another one with feet who would just belong at a higher level. He, he can get the ball out of his feet. You don't think he's going to lose it. Yeah, He'll have a second touch and then it's, it's away. He's found yeah. a man. I was about to say, Brilliant. It, it, it's a pace he gets it forward, Honeyman. It's so good. Yeah, He moves between the lines really well. Mm-hmm. The tackles he was putting in. I, I just... I, you know, he's another one who gets an undue amount of stick, really. Mm. If he'd come in from Wickham and drove himself up, no offence to Luke O'Neill, who I, yeah. I like, mm-hmm. and I think he's doing well, Honeyman would not be getting the type of stick that he gets. Mm. It's a very strange thing where 
he seems to be. Do, do people find him unlikable? I, I don't understand why. I think he what, gets so much stick. I think the problem with George Hunyon is he's kind of because he came into the side in the middle of the relegation season from the Premier League, didn't he? Mm. So in a way, he's been part of a downward spiral. I'm not saying he's responsible in any way, mm. shape, or form. But what I used to see George Honeyman was, he was kind of symbolic of a lot of the problems at the club. But yes, he used to try his hardest, but he wasn't good enough for the level last season. Well, he he still scored goals and contributed, but you could argue he wasn't good enough for the level last season or in the Premier League. So people kind of looked at it, and that, when he had a bad performance, people were saying, right, that's, that's the reason we're struggling, because we have people like him who are one of our key players, who are one of our better players, and that's why we're struggling. And it takes people a while to get over that perception of him. And now he's part of the upward trajectory. Hopefully people can start the get get behind him a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, we're going to have to move yeah, things yeah, on, Craig, yeah. unless you want to... No, I, I was just going to say, I think that that's probably true, but it's probably the same people who were saying chuck the kids in in the relegation yeah. season from the Premier League who thought Honeyman was really good in that season when he wasn't really that good, who are now that he's actually playing well mm. because he's better than the level he's at. Maybe other ones who have been overly critical of him... Mm. I don't know. You don't want to criticise other people's opinions. Everyone's got entitled to them. I just think you should be constructively critical. Yeah. And, As uh, we always are here on Wiseman's Day. Well, most of the time. <laughs> Apart from in the group chat when you're fuming with power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. In the spur of the moment. In the moment. But joking aside, I think, you know, I think Honeyman's really t- taken to that captain's role now. And I think him and power together, we've said this a couple of times about partnerships in the midfield before someone's got injured or suspended. Yeah. But that looks... Like a handy partnership. Yeah, yeah. Time um, will tell and hopefully we'll go from strength to strength. Right, we must look ahead uh, at the weekend's fixture, which is the second round of the FA Cup against Walsall. We'll have a quick break and then we'll hear from our manager, Jack Ross, who starts by looking back on Max Power's performance the other night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think Tuesday night helped a little bit in terms of the role we asked them to play, so it probably dictated how we had to play a little bit as well. And that wasn't done just with that in mind, but it was probably another benefit of it. And I had a good conversation with him this morning again, and he was speaking about that. And I said, look, you'll probably find that once these one these first, second, third games go, after this, all the stuff that went around the weekend, you'll find that it becomes second nature again. So he'll be fine. It's just been a... It was a difficult few days for him. And it was also another insight to him as to the size of this club. I think because it, it created a lot of attention. And that, again, is just an indication of what it's like to play for Sunderland or be involved with the club. And that's that's new to him as well, and he'll admit that. So, I'm just, I said, obviously, post that I was really pleased for him, and I'm delighted that he, 
he got through because night match was tough physically for him because he hasn't played a lot as well delighted he got through delighted to be the contribution and you feel as if I'm glad that we had that game so quickly after it as well and he worries about him playing back at Warsaw though. I mean he said himself mm. that you know he, fe- he feels afterwards that the Warsaw players were, were sort of playing for yeah. almost getting him the red card yeah I mean I, I, no, I don't have any concerns where I'm going because I think everything that's going on this week I'm sure that he understands you know what's expected of them um and I think similarly, I, I don't think I've made a huge production in anything that went on in the pitch, and so that hasn't really stoked the fire in any sense. We, you know, I, I kind of probably have been vocal a couple of times on, on not 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 speaking about Saturday, just in general, with players, crowd, and referees. I think it's happened quite a lot this season. I've been surprised by it, um, but that should never influence the referee's decision either. So. Um, Saturday's game for me is a complete isolation in the last one we just seen it was a tough competitive game it was actually like a cup tie last weekend so in essence it, it probably prepared us well for this Saturday as well um, Come on to, to the Warsaw in a moment I just wanted to ask you about that you've been linked with David Edgar mm. uh, and you talked about getting a defender in in, in January is that is that partly because you're, you're conscious that you probably will lose one or two players and you, and you have to have that cover um, Yeah I mean I think that player in particular is just we get a lot of players put us at this stage of the season and, and there's a, there's a variety and there's availability and you know, sometimes at a free agents it becomes a little bit easier to possibly have a look at them so that's kind of where we're at with that um, you know, nothing more than that um, again positionally well, there's two sides that one we, we can always try to put in place a model means that we're always trying to stay one step ahead so that if we do lose players unexpectedly be through injury or sale or whatever it might be that we have a, a plan in place Um so we yeah, but we're, we're kind of then you're thinking you're trying to anticipate what might happen over the course of the season post January. Make sure you're best prepared for that. If you were to say to me that I can't do any business in January, I'd be quite happy, and that's to say, I know, equally in or out, and I'd be quite content because I've got a good squad and it's it's proven itself. You don't do what they've done this season without being without being good and being able to handle the league. So I'm not, you know, I'm not anticipating us doing huge amounts in January. We're just trying to make sure that we're as prepared as possible for it. Interesting that in the light, there's often talk about you know strikers and, and as you say yourself, you know you've got Wyke and Watmore mm. not playing at the moment. Yeah. Sunderland, the only team in the four divisions to have scored in every league game, which yeah. is slightly ironic. It's um, it's quite remarkable, and I know there's been a lot of debate over touches in the box and some other stuff, and it's interesting. You know, I, I find it quite intriguing. Don't take offence in it anyway. I just find it quite interesting. And, I think what, what the squad has done this year has been quite remarkable, given that... Because I, I, I've spoken about Josh a lot and said I don't see him as an out-and-out striker. People then believe I see him as a midfielder. I don't. He is a striker. But by that, I think people understand that he's not one that is naturally made to lead the line on his own. We've seen that. He's different to some of the ones you come up against this season. It's not to say he can't do it. It's just not his absolute strength. And beyond that, it's all been... Tens or wide players, or you know, we haven't had really strikers. So to, to do that is, is a testament to the players and their creativity and their willingness to get in the forward areas, and also their, under, their, their willingness to do what we ask them to do. Because we have to keep encouraging them to make forward runs. Because a lot of them want the ball because they're good on the ball, so they're all saying, "Give me the ball." So you've got to sometimes tell them, "No, stay away from it," which is not an easy thing to ask some of these guys to do. An interesting test then for you as a manager. You often talk about trying to second guess the mm. manager. Well, no more intriguing. Opportunity. Then a week later, you're yeah. going to play the same opposition. I did note that Andy Cook was on the bench against Portsmouth on Tuesday night, and, and he, he was a big player for them in the first game. I just think I wonder if Dean Keats was thinking, "Look, what's the more important game?" Yeah, 
Yeah, again for me, I think I've spoken about this as a manager that had a chat with Gary Caldwell um, through the week actually. Um, he told me about something and we were obviously speaking, he was asking how he was finding it. And I see one of the new things for me is there has been that it's been quite challenging to second guess the opposition at times, um, both in their personnel and shape. And again, I, I looked at that from midweek and, and wondered about Dean's thinking behind that. But you, the thing is, you just don't know because so, you know, Cook could have been carrying a slight injury and they're protecting him. And, as may or may not played as well, so um, yeah, it's, it's intriguing, and I, I do find it, I find it quite exciting and refreshing. So even when we're playing a team for the second consecutive Saturday, there's still that little bit of uncertainty around exactly what they'll do. Interestingly, just an aside, um, Andy Cook's a big Newcastle fan. And when he'd scored the disallowed goal, he'd wheeled away like Alan Shearer. And then realised the, the goal had been chalked off. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but um, yeah, well, hopefully we won't see it again on Saturday. Our thanks to BBC Radio Newcastle's Nick Barnes for the questions there. You're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast here on a Thursday evening, but wherever you are listening to it before the game on Saturday, that's what we're going to speak about now. Walsall, second round of the FA Cup, of course, beating uh, Portville. Uh, by two goals to one in in the first round, uh, a chance to get to the third round and possibly one of the big boys. <laughs> that's which is odd for us to say, but that's the situation we're in. Michael, how seriously should Sunderland take this on Saturday? As seriously as possible, because it doesn't matter what level of football you play, it doesn't matter what competition it is. Winning brings confidence, and you want to uh, win as much as possible. So. I'll take it as seriously as we can. Do you think there should be major changes though in the squad? Um, I don't think there will be because you look at the Port Vale game and he played his full strength team um, right. and I think there's no need to rotate in that Is there any sensible changes like the, Max Power? The, well I was going to say the only one that I'd be thinking about would be giving O'Nine a run out because he's probably earned it I yes. like him in this super sub role mind Yeah, There's nothing wrong with being a really good substitute Michael either, Bridges Yep. Back in the day. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made yeah. a living out of it. Exactly. Uh, Hernandez did it a bit at Man United. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Like it, Some players are just better off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying he isn't good from the start. We haven't seen enough of him to no. make that judgment. In the past, I probably did judge him and think... Did he start against Port Vale? He didn't. No. Um, it was pretty much the same team that had started yeah. the previous I mean, that game. Was a, that was a debate going into the game, and I think a few people were disappointed that O'Neill didn't start on the basis of his contribution against Doncaster and Shrewsbury, I think it was, a couple yeah. of games before. You've got to think as well, though, we've got Notts County on Tuesday in the checker trade, uh, yeah. and he's probably going to make a lot of changes for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe O'Neill comes in, power could be someone you give a rest to, but on the other hand... You're talking about trusting him and all this stuff. Do you really want to bring him back out after he's put in such a really mature performance? I'm not sure you do. Mm. I, I think it would be a massive statement if Jack Ross did play him because, it, uh, as you say, it's saying, right, Max, I trust you. You've you committed that challenge. It wasn't a red card. You're back now. But just go and give a performance the other night. But do you not think the Walsall players would be more inclined to wind up him more than anyone on the pitch? But maybe not, but he's then got to take responsibility and not get drawn into it and just play his game because that's part of the responsibility as a footballer. Yeah. It's a test of character for the whole team mm. because there was... I mean, that people, you know, we've talked about this kind of the fun police, the celebration police, whatever, and I was talking to someone, uh, I was heading back into work who's neither a Newcastle or Sunderland fan and mentioned the pitch invasion sort of like with a wry smile. And I said, look, it's context. We've talked about this on, on Monday's pod as well. The fact is, those players, the Walsall players, were forcing hours into the kind of battles we saw in the Oxford game and things like that. 
So it's not just power. Power was the unlucky one. He mm-hmm. got the red. Honeyman, he had some personal battles going on. And, and others, they're all going to have to stand up and be counted. And you never know. I mean, Keats, Walsall are in the middle of, of League One. They're probably not really in relegation trouble or threatening the playoffs. But he might look at it and think, well, I've got lots of games to go. We might not even see half of their first team. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? That's a good point. You guys were down there, were you? I wasn't. Yeah, I went. You were. Are you going this weekend? No. Right. No. Me neither. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, once was enough. Well, <laughs> someone who was there as well was Tom Walsh, and he provided the uh, way guide for the first time, this time last week. He's done it again for Walsall. Here he is. They say in life that you can never have too much of a good thing, and nothing speaks more of this than going to Walsall for the second time in a week. Yes, that's another chance to see the Bescott Stadium, just off the M6 at Junction 9. It's another opportunity to get there by train on the Bescott Stadium station, 15 minutes from Birmingham New Street, and comes every 15 to half an hour. Another chance to visit the Warsaw Leather Museum, and another chance to see the Warsaw Arboretum, which, as you'll find, is an actual Victorian park. It is another chance to visit Walsall Town Centre, which has two Poundlands at either end of the street. It's also another chance to see Birmingham Birmingham City Centre in the throes of Christmas market madness. Yes, it's another chance to go to Walsall. And I would give you a full debrief, but I did all that last week for those of you that weren't quite listening. So what do you need to know about Walsall? Well... There's the Black Country Arms, that's quite a nice pub right in the centre. We saw we saw Look North's Jeff Brown in there. And it's a pretty easy easy trip to the station. Just hop on the train and you're pretty much there. Is there anything you really need to know? Well, there's one thing. I got berated by Walsall natives, first of all for drinking a bottle of water on the train, which apparently wasn't away day etiquette for travelling Sunderland supporters, but also from a from another uh, Walsall native who told me that I'd sorely missed off Walsall Art Gallery. So, if you have a little time on your hands for this FA Cup fixture, then there's always the Walsall Art Gallery. Fair play to any of you who are going, because everyone I spoke to last weekend said they couldn't think of many things worse than visiting Walsall. Unfortunately, they are very wrong, Um, As we all know, visiting Walsall is a good thing. So, everybody enjoy their trip down there. And that was Tom Walsh with his away guide to Walsall, second time in a fortnight. Um, Did you enjoy Walsall, Craig? Uh, I went to the Radisson over the road for a drink. So So it was drinking in a hotel (laughs) with a lot of other Sunderland fans. So it's not your classic kind of... What was your experience of the Bescop then? Uh, It was a bit... Not great, really. The, yeah. the I wouldn't. You know, you, you're going to get this, aren't you? It's a small ground, yeah. lower league, but um, no beer in the ground either. Not in the side. I think there was in the end, but there wasn't in the side. Oh. The uh, refreshment kiosks were tucked away in the corner and weren't really prepared for the numbers. Right. Yeah. That were there. Um, thirsty. Mac-ums. Th- thirsty. Mackums <laughs> dying for a pint of Carlin. Yeah. <laughs> now it was. You know, it, it's one of those semi-modern grounds, so it's still got mm. pillars. It's all seated. I think someone told us it was built in like 88, 89. Mm. So it's not quite modern like ours and then 
other smaller clubs like Doncaster have got those kind of modern ball stadiums. So it's yeah. not that level, no. but it's not like your old Everton-style redevelopment either. Yeah. So the bit of an, honestly, behind the goal, when we got there, I you couldn't even tell that was a stand. It was just this big sort of metal... I don't know, it looked like a leisure, the side of a leisure centre or something. <laughs> it was very strange. Um, uh, I, I think Tom Tom captured in his in his preview there the essence of yeah. Walsall a lot better than I can. Though. Yeah, good old Tom. Um, but, right, we'll end it on uh, predictions then. Uh, FA Cup, second round, Michael. What's the score going to be down at Walsall? Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Sunderland. All right, any particular scorers? Oh, well, depends if, if I could see who's playing. I think um, Sinclair's going to get one. Yeah, I'd be yeah. nice to see. I'd be happy to see. I'll reckon Sinclair will get one, and um, I'm going to go Baldwin from a corner. Right, I'm going to okay. actually go off my set piece. Right, okay. Well, great. speaking of Baldwin, do you think he might give, if he's going to make any changes, and I know this is cutting into the predictions, but do you think he might give Ozturk a run out? A few people were saying he should have come on against Barnsley yeah. to deal with Moore. And they've also have got a much less quality version of him in that cuckoo plays for mm-hmm. them. I did think our centre backs did at times struggle with him, so I wonder I, I would if have... Ozturk plays. I'm I'm saying a hat trick, yeah, for him. <laughs> at least, at least, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I would have no qualms about playing Ozturk this weekend. However, I didn't agree with the calls to bring Ozturk no, on I, the other I'm night. I'm with you as well. On Be- that. Pu- because Ozturk's all right if you're playing against pure like hoofball merchants. Basically, Walsall. Yeah, like <laughs> EFC Wimbledon were yeah. when he came on. He was excellent. He um, or oh, what game was it? He came on recently where he was. Relatively all right. Uh, Bradford, Bradford, yeah, he, Bradford, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bradford, yeah. he dealt with their kind of late onslaught really well, and I think he's ideally suited to that sort of game. But I think Barnsley just had a little bit too much technical quality. I the totally other agree. I said exactly the same. They weren't just pumping it into Moore. No, they were turning us round. Yeah, there's nobody you want sort of less in your yeah. team than us <laughs> take them when you're getting turned round. So and like I mentioned I, as well, they were creating like overloads down like our right hand side all the time during yeah. the game. So, so you could you could even say it wouldn't be one of the two centre backs who comes out if he did make a change at the back. Matthews has been brilliant, but we know he he does get his injuries. Mm. So you could think about just giving him a rest. Yeah, because we haven't even got Donald Love to come in no. at the minute. The, and the Devin Hume said his injuries uh, been uh, extended. Like he's got a set. Yeah, set. So that, that's yeah. that's a shame because he did look good. He did. Yeah. With all that in mind, I think even if he made three or four changes, which he probably won't. Judging on what I saw last weekend... Prediction? I'd say we can put four past them easily. 4-1, right. we'll say. Right. I reckon Madgen, I think Sinclair will get one. Would you, 0-9 might get one. Yeah. Just one last thing on the team. Would you maybe then consider, if you want to give Matthews a rest, switching, because Reese James can play either full-back, switching him across to right-back and putting Ovier to win his left-back? Why not? That's an option. Or Flanagan at full-back. Yeah, just... I mean, there, there are options. I don't think he's going to want to meddle too much. No, no, of course not. But like you but, said, um, there are some players that need a rest, and I mean... I just worry about Matthew's previous fitness record. Yeah, of course. And especially when, obviously, we took a lot out of ourselves last Saturday and then again we had to exert a lot of energy on Tuesday and obviously, mm. you know, it takes a long time to recover and I think there's a lot of people on Tuesday who won't have sustained injuries as such but, like, knocks that can take a few days to get over was a lot of them on Tuesday. I think the, the obvious ones we've kind of talked about, oh, nine's chomping at the bit for a start yeah. anyway, so you wouldn't be against him starting. No. You wouldn't be against, obviously, some, like, Someone at the back getting a rest because they've played a lot of football. I mean, you're not going to take McLaughlin out because he's just. And would you say to those players who remained in the squad, get through this and then you can have a rest on Tuesday? Exactly. And you'll be bringing Barley Mumba. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Mumba's another one. Yeah. 
you know, he started the season really well considering his age and he's and he's still in the first team squad. Yeah, yeah. So Top if you stuff. wanted to rest Honeyman or Gooch or someone, you could drop him into the middle mm-hmm. and yeah. and swap it round. Well, well, we'll we'll see what happens then on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Wise Men Say podcast will be back on Monday with me again. Can't get enough of Frank, yeah, can we? Yeah, because uh, we're doing a little switcheroo because I think Stephen and Gareth have got some special guests lined up for next, next week. Thursday. Next have Thursday. you got any for Monday? Uh, no, and I did try and get the bloke <laughs> who Luke 9 rugby tackled uh, on this edition of the podcast, but unfortunately he was unavailable for, for comment. It's a shame. But he did enjoy it himself and he had to change. He had to go get some, a new pair of trousers because they were that covered in mud. <laughs> for the night out. That's what you get for going on the pitch, yeah, isn't it? And yeah. getting tattled by Luke Warner. That's what you get. Right, okay, <laughs> join the guys, or join us again on Monday. Enjoy the weekend's football. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.